Hello and welcome back to Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast here at Fleming and Curdy PLC. My name's Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners at Fleming and Curdy, and with me today, as most days in our podcast, is one of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, uh, welcome. Thank you. Happy Sunday, Robert. Uh, happy Sunday. We are taping this on uh, on the weekend because that's when we can have quiet and peace in the office, though sometimes the dogs interrupt that. Elizabeth, I thought today um, we needed to talk about Larry King. What a legend, man. <laughs> uh, as a longtime radio, um, uh, I started to say personality, but that would give me too much uh, cred. As somebody who worked in radio for a number of years, uh, I always admired and thought, uh, what an impressive, what an impressive career! Yeah, Robert, I, I I have to say I've been doing some more reading about Larry King and his career and life, and seems like he led a very full life. Some of the reading that I've been doing has been talking a little bit about his estate planning, and it shocked me to learn that apparently he wrote his own will in the last days of his life. Yeah, it looks like he wrote the will actually longer ago than that. Mm. Uh, but in the last year or so of his life, he died at 87 on January the 23rd of this year. As everybody knows, that's not news. Uh, and, uh, and, and some people may have seen his will. Like you, Elizabeth, when I saw it, I thought, uh, you've got to be kidding me. This guy who had access to all of the levers of power in the country could have hired any lawyer he wanted could have gotten them to work for free just by uh, agreeing to mention their name on his show or bring them on as a guest or something. Uh, could have could have written um, a truly fantastic, thoughtful, well developed will. Instead, he hand wrote a three sentence will. Well, Robert, some people like to keep it simple. That, of course, is uh, is what we call a holographic will. It has to be in the handwriting of the decedent and signed by the decedent, and it's perfectly valid in Arizona. Apparently, it is being probated in California, where it is also valid. Um, but uh, but my gosh, it it seems like um, like missed opportunities. Well, Robert, we should remind everybody today that we are licensed to practice here in Arizona. And when we talk about holographic wills, we can talk about what Arizona law would do and how it would treat a will. Um, I did not know that they are also valid in, in California. But if you're listening to this and you're in another state, please keep in mind the, the rules about holographic wills are very state specific. And only about half of the states even permit holographic wills. So uh, if Larry King happened to have done this in one of the states that doesn't recognize holographic wills, the thing he wrote would have been ineffective. Again, not the case in Arizona. It's a perfectly valid will. There are a number of of oddities about Larry King's estate planning. One of them is that uh, that he, you know, he had some stuff going on in his life. The guy had been married seven times. Uh, he was in the middle of an active divorce proceeding. He had five children, and th- that's who he left things to in his will. But shortly after the will was written in, in 2019, two of his children tragically died, and he didn't do anything to update the will. Well, Robert, when I work with people who have done their own holographic will and they'll bring that document into our office, I often see that there are three things that people forget to do when they're writing their own will. One of them is to actually 
discuss or address the issue of what happens if one of the people, whether it's a child or an other heir of some sort, dies. Is that person's share going to go to his or her children or his or her spouse or is that person's share going to lapse? That's often one of the things that people forget to do and uh, address in a holographic will. The two other things are does the holographic will revoke any previous will that would have been written? It's really, really important that when you prepare a will, you contemplate whether or not it's going to revoke any previous wills. The only other thing that is, is almost always forgotten is what about the things you haven't mentioned? What about the residue of your estate? Many, many times people will spell out exactly where certain accounts or certain sums of money are supposed to go using a holographic will, but they'll actually forget to address what happens with the whole rest of the estate. The gold bullion under your bed, or your art collection, or your horse. It's pretty funny, but these are actually the kinds of things that people forget to address. And one more, let me add, they almost always forget to identify who's going to be the personal representative or executor in the old-fashioned language of the estate. And of those four, Larry King left two of them undone. He did revoke his his prior will, and he did construct his will uh, in a way that took care of the residue, but he didn't deal with what happens to children who die before him. And it turns out he had two of them, tragically again, and he didn't identify who would be personal representative. In, in Arizona, the failure to say what would happen to one of the children would would lead to the default rule. So any of his children who had children, their shares would pass through to their children, not to their spouses, as we've talked about in prior sessions, uh, but to their children. But how old are those children? Are they adults? Are they uh, are they competent to manage money? Do any of them have any other issues? It's actually kind of interesting. It's hard for me to figure out whether the two of his children who um, who died before him whether either or both of them had children. I can see that Larry King had nine grandchildren, but, um, but the sources I've seen don't tell us exactly who those are. And the other thing is he hasn't identified who's going to administer the estate. So the probate court in California, I gather, has been asked to name his oldest son, uh, I think it's his oldest son, Larry Jr., as, uh, as personal representative of his, of his estate, um, but uh, but in the priority in Arizona, at least, would actually arguably be to his wife, who he was not yet divorced from. His wife might have some interest in the in the estate as well, even though um, even though not included in the will, depending on the state law. And Robert, I think what we see in cases where people are contemplating divorce or they may be in the midst of a divorce, is a lot of confusion around what you can and can't do with estate planning and updating an estate plan. So for anybody who's listening today and you are contemplating divorce or you are in the midst of a divorce, keep in mind that there are certain rules about what can be updated, whether we're talking about beneficiary designations or creating a new will. But this this is all part of the family law attorney whoever is going to be helping with the divorce, if you've retained counsel, to provide some advice about. And so that was one of the other things in Larry King's case. I was wondering whether or not his divorce attorney had 
prompted a discussion about updating an estate plan or might have been trying to, to work with him on it. The other odd thing about the will is I've seen the, uh, a photograph of the will, and it looks like it looks to me like he started to write, I leave 20% of my estate to each of my children, and then he crossed out the 20% and said, I'd leave 100% of my estate to be divided among the five children, and then he identifies the children by name. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's fine, and it seems to be a valid um, change, but it leads to the opportunity to talk about if, if there had been a slightly different set of facts, would we know when one number was crossed out and another number written in? Would we be able to establish that the number, just the number, was in Larry King's handwriting? We might be able to uh, to confirm his handwriting in the whole document, but if a document examiner looked at just one zero zero and a percent sign, would they be able to confirm that that was Larry King's uh, handwriting? There's so many opportunities for a holographic will to go wrong. You know, Robert, I, I think many people who do holographic wills, first of all, they're, they may be uncomfortable going into an attorney's office, worried about the cost of doing a will, or as, as happens many times, they, they may feel embarrassed about their estate or their lack of, of planning. I certainly hope anybody listening today who has not done an estate plan, who has never created a will, understands that it's totally okay to go to an attorney your first time. If you're 80, 90, 100, it doesn't matter. Um, Everybody handles their estate plans a little bit differently, but um, it always interests me, Robert, who, who ends up doing a holographic will. Here's the other thing about Larry King's estate that made me think it was a good opportunity for us to touch on a couple of points, and that is... How much was Larry King worth? News report after news report says that his estate is $2 million. That strikes me, at least, as unlikely. I don't know how you feel about that, Elizabeth, but it seems to me like a guy with Larry King's career might be worth a little bit more than $2 million. So where does that $2 million figure come from? You know, Robert, that's a great question. It's it's hard to know. It's possible that he had a number of irrevocable trusts, trusts that he may have funded before his death that would have essentially gotten money out of his estate. It's possible that he had retirement accounts. Um, th- those may have been treated separately from his estate. So uh, I don't know if we're ever going to have the answer on that one, Robert. And we probably aren't. And And that's exactly my point. When you read a story about the estate of somebody famous or otherwise, um, then then you should be suspicious about how much information you've been given. I think the $2 million figure comes from the petition in the probate proceeding in which Larry King Jr. alleges that this is his dad's last will and that the estate is worth about $2 million. Well, if that's the case, he almost certainly means the probate estate is worth $2 million. In other words, the assets that were in Larry King's name alone at the time of his death were about $2 million. And as you say, Elizabeth, there are likely to be irrevocable trusts or even revocable trusts or life insurance or beneficiary designations or other things. And who knows how much money passes uh, according to those various instruments. Um, Let's guess that it's something more than $2 million dollars. But we don't really know. That actually reminds me, uh, I'm old enough to remember when, uh, when uh, Chief Justice um, Warren Burger died. 
that's been some years ago. I think it was Warren Berger whose uh, whose will was probated, and everybody at the time criticized it for being two pages long. Here was the guy at the pinnacle of the legal profession in the in the United States, years of experience in law firms, knew every lawyer of of moment in the at least on the East Coast, um, and. Uh, and how could he have a two-page will? Well, the answer turned out to be that he had a uh, a will that left everything to his trusts. In other words, a pour-over will, which is pretty typically about two or three pages long. Uh, his estate plan was rather more sophisticated than a two-page will. So be careful when you read about stories about uh, about the legal foibles of uh, of famous people when they die. Well, Robert, I, I do think that many people use trust plans to provide some privacy, and it seems like that may be what, what Larry King did. The stories where you actually do get some sense of the size of the estate and, and the troubles in the family are, are infamous. The you know, prince comes to mind who died without ever doing a will. So at least Larry King sat down and, and wrote something, um, even though it was, by the time he died, considerably out of date and, and, uh, and maybe more simplistic than he really ought to have had. So what's the message here? You know, Robert, I think the message is if you, if you have not created an estate plan to think about it and to consider getting some legal advice about what your estate plan might look like, what documents it would include, what would be involved, it's not a bad thing to just have a consultation and, and talk about it. Um, it doesn't mean that, that you're necessarily going to want an attorney's help preparing the estate plan, but I think it's important to get educated. Absolutely. Good advice. And that's where we can leave it. We are happy to talk to Arizona residents about their estate planning, whether they are famous or not, whether they are worth more than $2 million or less than $2 million dollars. Uh, most people are kind of surprised how easy it is to talk to us or really any lawyer about estate planning and how inexpensive the process is once they take the first step and, and make the appointment. Uh, I'm Robert Fleming. I'm a partner in the law firm of Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona law firm that practices elder law, estate planning, and, and related issues. I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, one of the partners here, and and we kind of hope you'll join us again for our next podcast episode here on Elder Law Issues. Thanks. Bye.